Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Journeys podcast. My name is Brad. I am your host. This podcast is dedicated to exploring different people's journeys of faith. I believe each and every one of us is on a journey of faith, regardless of religion or creed. And I also believe that faith goes much deeper than just attending a religious worship service every week. And that faith guides and leads our lives to the best of times and through the worst of times. And it is my hope that through this podcast, we can see that each of us has a journey to take and that along that journey that we are never alone. Today, I'd like to introduce my guest, Pastor David Hansen. He's a colleague. He's a friend. David is a congregational pastor serving at Spirit of Joy Lutheran Church here in the Houston area up near the Woodlands. And for the last decade, he has been helping congregations and leaders share the good news in new ways using digital tools to help us both share the message of the gospel and to build stronger communities. And this is the main reason why I wanted to interview David today on Faith Journeys, because in this new day and age of living during this pandemic, the church has really had to shift in how it reaches other people, especially if you can't meet in person, right? So <laughs> that is why I have David on for today. So David, thank you and welcome to the Faith Journeys podcast. It's great to have you on today, my friend. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be with you. And I really appreciate the invitation to come and chat with you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So David, I'm going to just get right to it. You call yourself the digital pastor. <laughs> I do. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, that that came about uh, maybe five years ago. I've been doing this for a while now. And um, one of the things that happened, uh, being a person of faith in digital spaces, um, was finding that people wanted permission to talk about the things that mattered most to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so using that moniker, that title, that name, um, was a permission giving for me, uh, to the people I engaged with online, many of whom were not necessarily in church communities, or if they were, they were on the fringe of their church community. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and it allowed them to consider me their pastor and to have those conversations with me. Um, about family, about work, about faith, about what does it all mean. Um, and so it, it was uh, uh, giving a name to a thing that was already happening in many ways and giving permission to uh, those that I engaged with to, to have those conversations with me. Right, right. Now, how did that start? Because if I remember correctly, you started off in a rather rural congregation outside of Brenham, Texas. I know the church. I filled in there before when I was in seminary. So I know it's not the epicenter of uh, digital media, so to speak. <laughs> no, no, it, it was not. You know, it, it started for me um, in college uh, on old BBS boards um, and finding, um, I had some health conditions in college, mm -hmm. uh, and finding communities there dealing with this rare health condition um, that I couldn't find in person because nobody in person knew what it was. Yeah. Uh, and so we had this community of people um, around, you know, 2000, the year 2000, 
um, connecting around conversations about how you cope with it, how you deal with it, giving love and support and prayer to one another. Right. Um, and that to me was a formative uh, thing. Uh, and so realizing that that was that sort of tool, um, I came to my first call at uh, a rural church in Brenham, um, uh, a church that, yes, you know well, because uh, if I recall, they interviewed you uh, before they got down the list to my name. They did. Uh, they did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love them, but it just was not for me. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And so um, we were, you know, six miles outside of a town of about 12 thousand at the time Um, and I just started being in those spaces a person of faith Uh, so um, it was not at first about my church's presence it was about mine Uh Um, it was about I was existing on Twitter and on Facebook um, and before that on MySpace Um, and there's a word Everybody right? remember that MySpace, right? Wow. And, and, <laughs> and and so for me, it was about naming my faith up front as a uh-huh. part of that conversation, right? Um, and then just being myself in those spaces, and then it became, you know, there's nobody else in this space as people of faith mm. um, that are here, and there's I know there's a community there because I'm engaged in the community, so why don't I just you know plant a flag for my church there? Right. Um, and 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 even if we aren't the most digitally savvy congregation, we're there. We're showing up. Exactly. Um, and, and so really, it came out of my own lived experience of of not about promotion or marketing or or reach, but about community. It was. It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and how how did the congregation feel? Uh, about it was there pushback did they feel oh my gosh my pa- our pastor's here but he needs to be here what, what was the reaction to, to all of that yeah the reaction um i mean at first was was nothing because my people weren't <laughs> there right like i was yeah. not there yeah. primarily for my people i was there for me yeah as a as a person of faith and as a person desperate for relationship and community mm-hmm. um at 26 years old how do you find your community when you live six Mm -hmm. miles outside of a small town (laughs) absolutely part of how i did it was online uh, and finding another clergyman and so at first there was not any sort of reaction because there was not an awareness of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um later um it became a point of pride as we began to push our congregation um into that space publicly uh, as a congregation um, because they knew that I was there and that I was also making sure our church was there. And that then was the point when they were starting to be there as well, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. around 2010, Mm -hmm. 2011, um, when when really kind of the floodgates opened up on Facebook, um, they were happy to have a pastor who was in that space already. Yeah, yeah. What what did it do for you in terms of your faith and in terms of your faith journey? Yeah, it was phenomenal for my faith journey. Um, I think I'd talk about I'd, I'd talk about a couple of different um, elements of that. Um, sure. I think one thing that that sticks out to me was recognizing the deep hunger that people have for these conversations of meaning and relationships mm-hmm. of meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember 
early on. So I got on Twitter in 2008, 2009, and within a couple of years, having a conversation um, over my DMs with somebody who was suicidal Mm -hmm. Um, and having a long conversation with him first there and then by phone um, and recognizing that ability to be there for somebody um, who didn't have anywhere else to reach out. Um, that gave me a real sense of purpose in that ministry in that time period mm-hmm. um, to recognize that need and that, that presence there. Um, for me personally, um, online community has given me that. It's given me a sense of community um, and a network and a support. Um, whether you're talking um, at first um, other young clergy, uh, later interfaith clergy, yeah. Um, yeah. people in recovery, clergy in recovery, um, finding these communities that as pastors, like we suck at making friends. Oh my gosh. It's so hard. And it's so hard. Yeah. And we suck at it and it's hard. I mean, when right? you are with the same group of people, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, and you're not supposed to be their friend, really. You're supposed to be their pastor, right? <laughs> it's just, it's just hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and so, and so uh, uh, online media gave me those communities that have held me up and supported me in my ministry without being my ministry. Right. Yeah. And, and would so you say it I came, had, became kind of your you know, we have this better help and talk space and all this other sort of stuff. It, it, it kind of acted like that for you. It did. Yeah. It was yeah. my ministerium. Um, it mm-hmm. was my um, um, uh, ministry incubator. Mm-hmm. It was my um, accountability network. Um, yeah. You know, all those things at once. Um, especially, especially, especially at the beginning. Uh, say 2008 till 2000 and maybe 14, 15. And, and life online has shifted in the last seven, eight years or so um, as population has grown and how we use media has changed. Um, But, you know, that, that to me was such a big thing for me as an early adopter and as a, as a young pastor, Um, man, it made me a better preacher. You throw an idea out there in, you know, as it used to be 140 characters and you learn how ideas are translated and how they catch and, and what is in how you express ideas, what, what works well and what doesn't. Um, It really sharpened up my preaching um, being able to do that. Wow. Wow. Did you throw ideas out there? Did you ask for input out there? You don't necessarily ask for input, but you. But we're talking about faith in this public space, and yeah. people react, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, and so you put out there, um, you know, an idea about the gospel. You know, mm-hmm. what is, what mm-hmm. what what does the gospel mean? How how would you summarize the gospel in, you know, 140 characters? Well, the gospel is not a pat on the gap back for good people, right? Like, uh, right, right, right. Uh, and and you begin to t- talk about ideas like that in part to work through them for yourself, but also to put them out there for people who are not in your faith community to run through them. And people either react and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, or they, <laughs> they don't react mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. say, thank you for that. That's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And on Sundays, our sermon feedback mostly looks like good sermon pastor. 
um you know <laughs> to which you go did you just hear what i said i mean <laughs> right yeah, yeah like and and versus like a broad spectrum of feedback on every mm. little bit um really helps you sharpen how you think about the, these things yeah absolutely absolutely um do you find it scary sometimes sure it is yeah yeah i mean there are trolls out there and um it's hard to be vulnerable um, mm-hmm. and all of those things. Um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Um, I'm a straight white guy. I'm now I'm a straight white middle-aged guy. I wasn't when I started this, but I was, I'm a straight white middle-aged guy now. Yeah. Um, and, and so I don't catch it in the same way that some of my colleagues who are women and people of color uh, and not straight do. I've noticed. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. But, I do get catch the occasional trolls. I do catch the um, moments when I mean something perfectly well and someone I love, and that, that's the one that really gets you, when someone you love misunderstands yeah. right. what you're saying right. um, because of the medium. Um, and that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, I did go through a period, um, there are a couple of times that I've locked down all of my social media uh, and there was one, kind of at the beginning of this pandemic um, Mm -hmm. because people in my community whom I love were not engaging well with with things that I was sharing. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to make this space my David Hansen space where I share pictures of my daughter and I share, um, you know, the things that are very personal to me in terms of, of how I look at the world. And I'm going to, I'm going to lock that down a little bit tighter than I had in the past. Yeah, um, right. Right. And, and, and that's part of it. Like there was an area when, when social media was kind of, those of us who were using it were, were full throttle, wide open. Um, and now I think it's much more, you've got to be much more um, nuanced about audience. Right. So this I is agree. for, I agree my personal friends and family and this is for the general public and this is for the community that i serve um and it's not hiding part of yourself it's it's talking appropriately to the people you're chatting with yeah i I, you know i had to do that as well i um you know, I, I had a policy and, and, you know, me and my deacon at the church, we've gone back and forth over this. She, she has, she friends, uh, people within the congregation and I don't, um, simply because, you know, um, I don't know, there's a tendency as a pastor to compartmentalize, um, private life and public life. I mean, the, the fishbowl is so small as it is. Um, and, uh, but then I thought, you know, th- there there's still people who want access to me and my thoughts. So, um, which it actually, I mean, you, you kind of, you know, led me to create, you know, my, my professional pastor page, um, and keep my Brad Otto stuff for, you know, people that I know grew up with, you know, like you said, friends and family and um, you know, the views expressed on there are mine. They're not right. representative of Messiah at all, but, you know, but at the same time, it also gave me an opportunity to um, allow the folks within the congregation access to me. Um, but not only that, but 
you know, people all over the place, um, yeah. since Facebook is out there, um, access to me in, in that way as well. And, you know, and I, and I think for me, and I, and, and to be clear, there are people uh, who do have to worry about very much so their personal and familial safety online um, in ways that you and I don't. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 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 Um, and, and, and I try and name that when I talk about privacy and how I use it, because I am pretty wide open, even with these segments, I'm still pretty, yeah. I am who I am kind of guy. And, and, right. and most people can have access. Um and there are pastors that can't do that for the sake of their own safety and their communities. Right. Um, but what gets me is that, um, you know, that sort of vulnerability that comes um, in myself when, when folks misunderstand and not just when they misunderstand, but sometimes when they willfully misunderstand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when, when, when you're connected to members online and it goes well, it's fantastic. Uh, right. Right. And when it doesn't, Oh, it's the worst. Uh, Yeah. You know, and I I have had people leave the congregation I was serving, not because of things I even said, but because of things my spouse said online. Right. Wow. And I know other, I know other pastors that that's true true for as well. Wow. Um, Wow. And, and, and people have written complaints to, you know, leadership in congregations and synods because of things spouses have said. And like, that's part of the risk is it involves all the people we're connected to. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. And, and what, that can be what, really frustrating. What do you think that is? I mean, why, why would, why the reaction to, like you said, not something that we specifically said, um, but maybe our spouse said, why, why is that? Well, I think it's always been that way, but social media makes it more acceptable, right? And so I think clergy spouses of every generation have been under the microscope and, and clergy have always been judged in part, not just by their own behavior and by what they say by from the pulpit, but by their children and by their spouses Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. by their non- congregational friends i agree Um, and social media just gives it a new place for that to happen i think it's terribly unhealthy um and i think it's um i think it represents some of the worst things about christian faith and community when that happens yeah Um, i think it's always happened right and now it's happening online too uh, out in the open absolutely yeah yeah and, I, and, and that's what i think about most stuff when it comes to social media most of the stuff we're talking about happens and now it happens online too right exactly maybe <laughs> oh, excuse me right so i think um there are people with poor boundaries and they yeah. have poor boundaries in person and they have poor boundaries online. Right. Clergy, right. clergy and church members, right? right? There are people who willfully misunderstand others. They do it in person and they do it online. Exactly. You know, and, and so when I, when I talk to folks about how we ought to live online, um, you know, that's, that's one of the first things I say is like, don't be stupid. Exactly. What's true in person about your boundaries as a clergy person 
is true online. Right. Right. Period. Right. Plain and um, Yeah. And so I, you know, I find that just as frustrating when people would judge my spouse, um, you know, early on in my first call. Um, gosh, I remember when, when um, our first child was on the way and people would comment on the size of my spouse versus the size of somebody else who was about the same amount of pregnant, right? Oh my gosh. That wasn't happening online. That was, that was the 85 year old lady in the church who just did that to everybody, <laughs> no matter what, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need social media to have bad boundaries and be a jerk. Uh, right. Yeah. Absolutely. It just makes it more available to everybody else when you do. Amen. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I have found during this pandemic, um, as I've kind of expanded my um, presence online, first of all, it's scary to, to, to jump in there. I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Some parts are, like you said, scary, but um, for the most part, I have enjoyed it. It has kind of given me a sense of community. But what I found is, is that people are more likely to talk about issues of faith online and engage in faith online than they are in person. Have you found that to be true? Yes. Um, and part of it, yes, yes, yes. I have found mm -hmm. that to be true. Um, and I think there are a number of reasons. Um, and I think it has to do with what you had for lunch this morning or mm -hmm. breakfast this morning, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that's the number one, like nobody cares what you had for breakfast. Actually, people do, right? And so like when I go on a trip and I have a great meal and I call my wife later in the night, I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to say, you won't believe what I had for dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. Because we do talk about that sort of ordinary stuff. What happens in our in-person faith communities is we go, hey, it's nice to meet you. Can you tell me the deepest fears of your soul? <laughs> and like we go straight from the wading pool to swimming in a hurricane. Right. Jumping from the high dive. <laughs> right? <laughs> Whereas online, we build with these building blocks of everyday, ordinary interactions, trust and relationship um, built not on the deep, dark questions, but built on the ordinariness of, can you believe how cute Pastor Brad's daughter was in that picture? Can you believe, you know, did you see what Pastor Brad posted about the restaurant he went to mm -hmm. and all of these little ordinary things that build relationship. Those are the building blocks that get us to what's the dark secret of your soul. Right. Right. Yeah. Right? You just can't go there straight. Absolutely. Right. There has and to be I, a level of trust. Yeah. And I think two things are true. I think we underestimate how much that works on social media. And, and how important that is. Mm -hmm. um, and two, we're really bad about doing that in our faith communities in person. Right. About giving space for the ordinary and everyday conversation and the building blocks of relationship. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I, we've talked about some of them, um, but I want to I be more 
concise in this in this part. What do you think are the pros to social media when it comes to the church and faith? See, I think those are two different questions: the mm-hmm. church and faith. Um, let's I think start, faith, let's start with the uh, faith first. With faith, what social media gives us is it gives us communities to develop into deep relationship. And I think faith grows in communities of deep relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, uh, relationship is the hinge on which all of faith pivots mm-hmm. uh, because faith is about community. Uh, and so social media gives us the ability to both form communities outside of our in-person networks, whether that's work, or home, or a lot of us don't have networks outside of work and home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one. And, and, and also social media allows us to deepen the networks that we have already with people that we know in person. You know, you live in Cyprus and I live in the woodlands um, and we don't see each other on the daily. Um, but I can be involved in your life on a regular basis thanks to social media. Um, and so that's a deepening that would not be there without that gift. Um, and, and in those communities, um, social media allows us to find people with whom we feel safe sharing our souls. Um, and, and I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can underestimate that. And what are the cons? Yeah, so it's the the barrage of the worst of humanity, um, and and as more of us get online, it's worse um, because uh, um, persons are great, people are terrible, um, <laughs> right? Right? People yeah. like individual. Yeah. I love individuals. People on <laughs> mass are are brings out the worst of us Mm -hmm. um and 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 so social media exposes us to the loudest and brashest voices which are often the most toxic and harmful um social media um you know i might hear about the car accident in my neighborhood and i might hear about the house fire um over in spring but I usually wouldn't hear about the shooting in Cyprus or in downtown mm-hmm. um, or in DC or in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Right. And so headlines are the bad news. And so we get barraged with the bad news and the toxic voices. Mm-hmm. And that can kill your soul if you don't learn how to filter it out. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I think that's the first big con to me is that the content that comes at us is those things, the overwhelmingly negative and the overwhelmingly toxic. Right. Um, Right. And the other is the curse of the algorithm. Um, That if you are a little bit progressive, it's going to push you farther and farther progressive in what it shows in your newsfeed. If you are a little bit conservative, it's going to push you more and more conservative uh, on what you see in your newsfeed. Right. right right and 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 that's how um you know some really dangerous ideas have caught hold um uh, is by this push of the news stream 
further away from one another. We're being pushed further away from one another um, towards some ideas that are radical and dangerous uh, that would have been considered fringe and you never would have heard them yes. 10 years ago. Yes, yes. Right. And now, and, and, and somebody sat and did this. Uh, they, 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 they started watching YouTube videos of the political candidates' rallies um, and it went from political candidates rallies until they were watching literally clan rallies uh, mm. because that's what YouTube would said, Hey, you like this, you might like this. And it was a road that eventually moved step by step by step by step further into extremism. Wow. Wow. Um, because we, the algorithm knows that we're likely to push, push next. If it's just off center from where we are enough to, be interesting to perk curiosity yeah um and and so the curse of the algorithm is really real um and if we don't do something to combat it um it can really do some damage to us yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. alter your faith journey so to speak yeah um, yeah absolutely so what are the what are the pros of social media when it comes to um church life yeah so you know i this pandemic has really brought it to the fore so we were doing a lot of this um already and then the pandemic of course pushed us all online overnight yeah um uh, and and so i don't know about you uh, you live in the suburbs too mm -hmm. um i can't get people out during the week Getting yeah. people to leave their house and come to the church building during the week has always been a struggle for me since I got here. Uh, and so we're getting ready to try a new Bible study. The pandemic hits and we go online. And all of a sudden, people who didn't want to leave the spouse at home with the kids, people who didn't want to drive 40 minutes to the church for an hour Bible study and then 40 minutes back home, are jumping on this online Bible study. We're staying online in this Bible study forever. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it invites people in who could not possibly, because of time constraints, family constraints, distance constraints, participate in those activities are able to participate. Mm -hmm. um, people who are homebound, people who live on the south side of Houston. I mean, it's been fantastic. Um, and, and I think you can't underestimate that. Um, I think it, it serves, you know, we don't have people who come to church for the first time in person anymore who haven't already been to our worship. Yeah. Same. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. and the website is no longer the door. Um, it's, it's the streaming platform first. Yeah. 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 You know, and, 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 and it, was the case before that anybody who came for an in-person visit had been to our website but now they have been to an online worship service which for us is the complete worship right yes from 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 word one to word from alpha to omega you yeah know? yeah uh and so they've experienced what we're like they're not going to be shocked by my preaching they're not going to be shocked by our music they're not going to be shocked by how we are in the chancel in the stage in the front of worship space none of that's going to be a surprise to them um and i think that's such a great tool for evangelism um i think 
I think just that, like we're able, I mean, Acts 1, 8, right? So you are to be our witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yep. We have people who throughout this pandemic from Papua New Guinea that have worshiped with us, from oh, yeah. Scotland that have worshiped with us, from Canada that have worshiped with us. I mean, that's what do that before. we're doing. Yeah, how are, how are you supposed to do that before? I mean, yeah. there was, there'd be no way that we could do that. Yeah, it's the same with us. I mean, we've got, you know, um, India, New Zealand, uh, Japan, Shanghai. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to reach those people before that. There's just no, no. way. No. And I, I, think, I think that reality of the ability to share the gospel more broadly than ever before. Um, I tell is, people to truly live out the Great Commission, right? Go yeah. out into the world. And it allows us to truly live that out um, each and every week. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think, I think you can't underestimate that. Absolutely. Well, what do you think the cons are? <clears throat> yeah. Um, what are the cons? I think the cons look like um, the cons look like um, it's easy to fall into the habit of not connecting to an incarnate community. Um, yeah. I think I think an incarnate community matters. We have an incarnate faith. Um, and I think there are times and places where worshiping online makes sense. When mm -hmm. I'm traveling, I, I tend to worship online. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when worship practices in a congregation make you feel unsafe during this pandemic, it makes sense to worship online. Um, but I think it's also can get into the, it's convenient to just worship online and, right. Right. and letting that convenience take away the good that comes from being in the same space, physical space with another person um, and looking at them face to face, even if it's over in the K95 mask. Right. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's a big one. I think, um, you know, it, it lends itself, it lends itself as, the rest of online community to being misunderstood, um, not just through online worship, but through our online gathering spaces of every sort, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being misunderstood by the medium. Uh, right. And, and, and that can do damage to relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's always the folks for whom digital media just is not comfortable. Right. Um, and right. finding ways to include those folks when you have to go completely online uh, can be a challenge. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you very much for this time. I appreciate it. Um, at the end of every um, Faith Journeys podcast, I have what's called the final four. And it's just a random fire of four random questions. Okay. First thing that comes to your mind, I do it with every guest. 
So are you up for it? Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. If you could live during a different time in history, when would it be and why? Ooh, when would it be and why? Um, so I think if I could live during any time in history, um, I would probably not be happy. Like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I struggle with that question, like, because the reality is, like, my family and my people, we would be peon serfs in any era of history <laughs> except for this one. You Scrubbing know, on the floors, is. right? Scrubbing yeah. the floors and working in the fields. And that sounds <laughs> like I'm not built for that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So my, my answer would be no. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Describe a favorite place you like to be with your family. Oh, favorite place with my family. Mm-hmm. So um, I think a favorite place with my family, um, one of my favorite trips with my family uh, was uh, back to the Smokies uh, in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, that's home for me up in those mountains and being able to share that uh, with um uh, with my wife and my daughter and with extended family. Um, that's that space just feeds my soul. You yeah. know, th- there are places like yeah. that, right? right? There are places that, absolutely. And, and that's one of those places being up in the Hills like that just feeds my soul. And, uh, and with my family, definitely a highlight. And, and of course, once you're there, it, it's just a hop, skip and a jump to Dollywood, which is the most magical place on earth. Wasn't Dollywood. That, isn't, isn't that, a, yeah, I thought there was a theme for some other magical theme park. No, 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 Dollywood. It's, it's no, no, Dollywood. It's Dollywood. Okay. It's Dollywood. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right. Um, talk about a movie that has influenced you. A movie that has influenced me. Um, so uh, I'm going to go a deep cut and Babette's Feast. Wow. Uh, wow. Babbitt's Feast is one of my favorite, favorite all-time movies. Um, in part, because if you've ever watched it, um, uh, the, the, the grumpy religious folk yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who don't understand joy, <laughs> um, those are my people. Um, <laughs> literally, those are my people. Like, like, that's the faith tradition I come out of, are those Danish folk. Yeah. Um, and and the richness and discovering God in beauty and joy and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, Babbitt's Feast is such a great description for me of my own faith journey and of, of how I understand God now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, last one. What is one of the best pieces of advice you have ever received? Ooh. That's hard best piece of advice I've ever received. So, um, so related, uh, it's a story uh, related to our conversation about boundaries. Um, So my grandfather is a pastor and, um, you know, I, I was in the middle of boundaries training, you know, the, the, the three, eight hour day boundary training that you had to do in, in seminary. Yep. Uh, and I went out for lunch with my grandpa and I said, this is all new, right? Like this has to do with 
you know, changing communities and, and like you all didn't have to deal with this. He said, David, I've been retired for 20 years. I went back to one of the communities I used to serve and I went and visited this little old lady in the hospital and I walked up to her and she grabbed me by my shirt in, from her hospital bed. And this is my grandpa's 82 at this point, right? <laughs> Pulls me in and kisses me and says, I've been waiting 40 years to do that. <laughs> Bad boundaries with clergy has always been a thing. The difference <laughs> is now we're giving people the tools to do something about it. It's <laughs> awesome. I love that. That is a that is one of the best clergy stories I think I've ever heard. There you go. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, well, thanks again, David. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's you been bet. wonderful talking uh, to you. And thank you out there who are listening. You know, I'm not here uh, for myself. I'm here for you. And uh, I'm glad that you have taken some time to stop and to listen today. Please leave a review uh, of the podcast. It just helps others find the podcast. Um, And I love reading how these stories are helping others discover their faith journey as well. So until then, take care, everyone. Enjoy the journey.